Founded in 1682 by William Penn, Europeans first settled in Pennsylvania in 1637, although several tribes of indigenous people occupied the land for centuries before this. Pivotal in the French and Indian Wars, the Seven Years' War, the American Revolution, and the United States Civil War, it is no surprise that with such a rich history, our state has developed a culture that is distinctive and multifaceted. Full of legends and real-life heroes who risked everything for their beliefs, today Pennsylvania retains strong elements of folk culture developed by a combination of ideologies practiced by the varied ethnicities of original settlers, Native Americans, and shared experiences. Legends and lore passed down over centuries reveal philosophies that are as superstitious as they are religious and even scientific, resulting in a microculture found nowhere else. You are listening to Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore, where we believe that behind every great story, there is a nugget of truth. In each episode, your hosts, Ethan and Holly, will attempt to uncover that truth and preserve a part of our incredible Pennsylvanian lifestyle. Hi, I'm Ethan. And I'm Holly. And today on Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore, we are going to be talking about the famous Pennsylvania Groundhog, Punxsutawney Phil. So if you're listening and you live in the United States or Canada, um, most of you have probably heard of Punxsutawney Phil. And uh, here in Pennsylvania, Punxsutawney Phil is about as Pennsylvanian as it gets. Most, if not all of you listening, know that February 2nd is Groundhog's Day, and there's nothing more Pennsylvanian than Punxsutawney Phil. The famous groundhog who comes out of his hole in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, each year to start off spring. Right? Actually, you'd be wrong. And that's fine. We were shocked too. So a little bit about the history of Groundhog's Day. On February 2nd, 1887, Groundhog Day featuring a rodent meteorologist is celebrated for the first time at Gobbler's Knob in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. The event was the brainchild of local newspaper editor, Clymer Fries, who sold a group of businessmen and groundhog hunters known collectively as the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club on the idea. The men trekked to a site called Gobbler's Knob where the inaugural groundhog became the bearer of bad news when he saw his shadow. Nowadays, the yearly festivities in Punxsutawney are presided over by a band of local dignitaries known as the Inner Circle. Its members wear top hats, and conduct the official proceedings in the Pennsylvania Dutch dialect, which they're supposedly able to speak to the groundhog in such language. According to tradition, if a groundhog comes out of its hole on this day and sees its shadow, it gets scared and runs back into its burrow, predicting six more weeks of winter weather. No shadow means an early spring. And if any of you were watching yesterday or listening or checked the news, you uh, saw that Punxsutawney saw his, saw his shadow, so we will be having six more weeks of winter. Yes. I'm sorry. I get excited. I like winter. <laughs> you like snow. You don't like winter. Yeah. Oh, that's true. So, so you like the cold, but only if it's snowing. Six more weeks for a chance for 
a couple large snowstorms. That's what I'm excited about. Well, and the poor thing, if he gets scared and runs back into his hole, he doesn't get to do that anymore because they just yank him out and show him off to the world. Poor thing. So I always find it interesting. And uh, if you look at some of the photos or some of the videos, they're always like blasting. It always looks like they're blasting light from like light poles and just a bunch of artificial light, not the natural light. Oh, yeah, because they have cameras so, and everything on him. I just always assume that he's either going to see his shadow or the 20 people that are standing around him are going to hide him from his shadow. So I feel like it's never really a... I'm sure it is somewhat accurate, but I'm... He's only accurate... It's like a coin toss. He's 50, He has a 50-50 chance, and that's what his what his I, ratings are. He's about... A, I, he's he's about I, 50% accurate. But what I was getting at is... They have so much artificial light there that True. what he might actually see that day may or may not be I'm correct. sure it was a little more, if you can say, quote unquote, accurate when they started doing it back in 1887 because they didn't have, it was still a spectacle and they still had people coming and seeing, but not like we do today. Right. I think they should put a little drone above his hole and just wait for him to come out for that day. And that's how they should determine. I'm sure the town of Punxsutawney relies heavily on the amount of people that flood into the town. Well, they can for this. They can still show up just <laughs> far away. They can't actually see him. Well, they can see him. They can just get safe barrier around the hole so that eventually he'll come out and I think you should bring that up to them. Yes. See how it goes. But as you said with the lights, I did see a statistic that said he does predict six more weeks of winter, about 84% of the time. So that's pretty high statistics showing that he does see his shadow more often, which the lights could factor into that. Like I said, I really believe anybody listening, look up photos of Groundhog, the... Yeah, if you haven't watched it. Groundhog's Day or watched some videos on it, it. You can see they are just projecting a lot of artificial light. Mm -hmm. Because they the, do it early in the morning when it's still dark. And, right, onto the stage. And I just right. think that well, just takes away from, in my opinion, the true nature of Punxsutawney Phil coming out to see if he sees his shadow or not for the day. Okay, now we'll touch base on some of the origin of Groundhog's Day, which is all pretty much new information to me. Of course, yeah. everybody in Pennsylvania and mostly across the U.S. know about Punxsutawney Phil, but we're learning a lot more about the background of these, these things than we knew before. So though famously tied to Pennsylvania, the February 2nd holiday finds its roots in Celtic mythology, which is specifically the Irish Celtic festival in Bolic. And I'm gonna let all of our listeners know if I butcher any of these names, I do apologize. Let us know if I'm saying it wrong and we can correct as needed. <laughs> so this uh, Irish Celtic festival, it traditionally marks the beginning of spring, celebrated on February 1st and is associated with a goddess of fertility known as St. Brigid. And Imbolic marks the halfway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And it's a celebration of spring and the longer days ahead. On the eve of Imbolic, Brigid would pass through the land giving blessings to those who left her tributes. 
Bridget had the power to change the seasons from frostbitten winter to the warmth of spring. But another character who was present in the ancient myths of Imbolic was Callier, or witch who could allow the winter to last longer. Legend has it that Callier would hope February 1st would be bright and sunny, which would wake her up early and allow her to gather enough firewood to keep warm during the long winter which was still to come. If the day was dark and gloomy, Callier would sleep through the day and be unable to gather more firewood, meaning the spring was on its way. It's already possible to see where the Groundhog Day tradition of predicting six more weeks of winter came from. But before Imbolic became Groundhog Day, it was assimilated into Christianity with Candlemas, which celebrates the purification of the Virgin Mary and was celebrated on February 2nd. It's believed that if there's bright weather on Candlemas, there will be more bad weather to come. As Ireland let go of its Celtic pagan roots and turned to Catholicism, the country began celebrating St. Bridget's Day, still known as the first day of spring. With this came a new legend that to see a hedgehog on St. Bridget's Day was a good weather omen, because if the hedgehog left its den, it had been sleeping in all winter, it knew that winter was over and spring was coming. Germanic tribes adopted the tradition as they spread and inhabited regions previously occupied by the Celts. Germans believe that the weather was predicted by a badger rather than a hedgehog, but the traditions are otherwise identical. Eventually, German immigrants to the New World brought Candlemas to Pennsylvania, but the hedgehog tradition was transposed to the behavior of a large rodent called the groundhog. The first mention found of groundhogs predicting the weather on February 2nd is in a diary entry for that day in 1840, written by a Welsh-American storekeeper in Pennsylvania. He stated, Today the Germans say the groundhog comes out of his winter quarters and if he sees his shadow, he returns in and remains there 40 days. The storekeeper describes this as a general belief of his German neighbors. It doesn't appear to be limited to a single family or town, nor does he seem to think it is a brand new belief. Since the belief and practice almost certainly came from Europe, and since the bulk of Pennsylvania Dutch immigration occurred between 1727 and 1775, it's likely Groundhog's Day was born in that period. I did not know any of that. I did not either. <laughs> I assumed it came from some <clears throat> long line of tradition or something from somewhere. I just didn't think that somebody came said- from somewhere. Well, I just didn't think that- <laughs> Somebody just saw a groundhog and, and thought, hey, it's all shadow and made up this, you know, ridiculous mm -hmm. claim that that determines if we're having six more weeks of winter or not. Um, so I had assumed that it came some from somewhere Kind of thought probably some sort of Pennsylvania Dutch ties, but that was pretty much my knowledge on it. It makes more sense to me from it coming from the festival. That all makes a little more sense to me than just, hey, we're going to pull this animal out of the ground and see what happens. Like, that's a very odd thought process to me to think. Going from a hedgehog and moving to a groundhog and... How does that come about? Like, why would you depend on this rodent to tell you what the weather's going to be like? Or why do we need one at all? Either it's going to be cold or it's going to be warm. Yeah. But I guess back in the 1800s. 
they didn't have a cell phone to the, pull out. The meteorologists like we have today. Correct. To tell them what to wear and <laughs> what the weather's going to be like. Well, and yeah. so much was rooted in, like, today we live, especially in the United States, where religion is so very separate from everything else in our lives, from science, from everything else. It wasn't the case way back then. True. Like, Mm-hmm. Their lifestyle was based on their religious beliefs, and True. everything happened because of some supernatural thing. Like, if you can explain it, well, it's supernatural. And in Celtic, Irish traditions, like their their legends and lore are very rooted to the earth, uh-huh. whereas German. German ones are very, very dark and rooted to the the supernatural and, like, almost demonic, like, uh-huh. angels and demon kind of things. So, you know, it's it's hard because we don't have that mindset today because we have... We have... Technology. Over, and, yes. Yeah. Over the years figured out, oh, hey, weather doesn't happen because, you know, some animal predicts uh-huh. it. Right. It's just still bizarre to me to think that somebody had the idea or they heard, like, they have all these traditions of seeing an animal come out of the ground and somehow. But in in a sense, too, it's like, you know, people who lived and worked the land and that's what their lifestyle was. And it was before technologies and things. You did watch the animals to see, Mm -hmm. you know. But you think then that they would want to watch some sort of behavior that it did more so than just shadow versus not. But I guess they did see, so it comes out, sees its shadow, and goes back in. So it is kind of a behavior thing in that Mm -hmm. aspect if they were doing that and not just seeing their shadow versus, Mm -hmm. versus not. But yeah, it's weird. It's weird that it stuck, that it was like so important to them that they even changed the animal. Right, right. It's like, oh, this sort of looks like a a giant hedgehog. Yeah. Like an American hedgehog. Sure. Well, the, the amount of people that just flock to Punxsutawney yeah. to see Bids this. Packed every every year there are. Like, people come from all over. Tons, tons of people there. Yeah, I think they. Like, I'm sure many Pennsylvania people go, but people come from out of state to see a groundhog. I'd actually be surprised. I bet you there's not as many Pennsylvania people there that are as out of state. Probably not. I feel, because like for me, we're here in Pennsylvania. We've lived here and I don't honestly have a burning desire to go to (laughs) to Punxsutawney. I knew somebody from Punxsutawney and they said it's... I'm sure it's crazy. Not a gr- huge town. It's quite boring outside of Punxsutawneyville. Right. This is what it has going for it. So, yeah. Meg here, the researcher, interjecting again. When I was researching some of this, uh, I found out that if you want to see that, you're like booking five years in advance. What? For hotel spaces. And it's ridiculous. They Probably because they have out, such limited they are book, yeah, space. For it. And... and and everything within like 50 miles of that, the prices go way up because they have so many people coming in every year. But if you want to actually stay in Punxsutawney for that, like you have to book years 
and advance their book out years. Again, this is for a groundhog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I feel like I can't wrap my head around that part. Like, we do so much and base so much on a groundhog. Mm -hmm. And we have tons of we have tons of them around. I'm sure far, if there's any farmers listening, I'm sure you can just you know go out and look into any of your field and decide which one of the 15 groundhogs that poke their head out of the hole for that morning, which one you want to base your weather off right. of for the next six weeks. You well, don't have to go to Punxsutawney to see this one. But no, once we again, have. This has to be somebody's pet because otherwise right. somebody's getting their face bitten off. Right. Like they <laughs> look you, like vicious. Have you seen the teeth? Of animals. Well, I also saw too that what you had looked up, groundhogs live for three years. Yeah, their average so, lifespan. Punxsutawney Phil is probably like Punxsutawney Phil the. Well, we could do the math, <laughs> but he, he's up there. Yeah. He has many ancestors. Yeah. Now, again, if he was living in captivity, which I would think he would be for them to be able to pick him up and handle him the way that they do, he may live longer than three years. But a wild groundhog really doesn't have that long of a lifespan. No. Well, especially not if he's on a farm. He's not making it very long. No. <laughs> he's not, not out here. <laughs> not around our area, no. But they still seem to, we still have tons of groundhogs every year. Mm -hmm. And how have we talked about Groundhog's Day without talking about the movie? Because I've never seen it. <laughs> well, all right then. Yeah, I've seen parts of it, but I've never seen the whole movie. Which actually wasn't even shot. Well, I feel like most movies that are based on an area aren't actually shot in that area. No. But that one was in Illinois. Yeah, I've never, never, uh, never seen the movie, parts of it. Well, I wouldn't want to relive the same day over and over and over again. No. No, I wouldn't either. Especially if it's pulling Groundhog out of the... <laughs> stump <laughs> to see if it's six more weeks of winter true I, hey I think it's a good tradition I think it's a good Pennsylvania tradition but and I'm right. I take with what he says with what a grain of salt I do hope we do have six more weeks of winter but I think you stand pretty well alone on that one uh, no there are people out there that love snow as much as I do you're far and few between listen I want spring flowers and warmth and where I don't have to walk outside and instantly freeze. That is the greatness of Pennsylvania is you get all of the things. You can get all of the things in one day in Pennsylvania. You really could, yeah. You can wake up and it'd be winter. I can mow my grass, it could snow, and then be sunny. Day and early rain morning later you get day. spring, little yeah. rain, maybe snow, summer by afternoon. Yeah, you get all the things, so. Fall at if, night. If you can't handle the <laughs> can't handle the snow in Pennsylvania, move somewhere else. That's true. Oh, please. Pennsylvania does not get snow. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. They're places that get... upstate New York. Six months, baby. Six months of snow. That would be great. No. I said I just want... That. We get enough. One time, I want feet of snow. Like, I just want to open my door and it'd be piled up there. And I know that... <laughs> well, maybe this will be your year. is my day. Punxsutawney Phil will be on your side and you'll get your precious feet of snow so if we do get that all you listeners blame Ethan it's all your fault if we do get that enjoy it hopefully <laughs> you don't have to travel to work but just enjoy the beauty of snow 
Well, he's only accurate half the time, so we'll see. We still got March. We'll see what this year brings. Thanks for joining us in today's episode of Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore. We'll catch you in the next one. If you liked what you heard in this episode, be sure to follow Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore on your preferred podcast platform to stay up to date on new content. Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore is produced by Harv Productions, LLC.